It is the Southern Ontario Dirt Show podcast with Jonathan Howe, Travis Cunningham, episode 30. And I got to say, Travis, the uh, 30 was a bit of a hard number to actually find somebody who's, you know, capable of doing this. Uh, like, I, I, I couldn't think of a, a 30 car in uh, Southern Ontario. Yep. I had one, and uh, it was Bob St. Amon Sr. at Merrittville Icon, and always ran that 30, and uh, Brad Rouse ran it at the Moody Mile when the year he won it as a tribute, and then he ended up winning the race with the 30 on the car, so I think he, we talked about that in his episode way back, and man, that feels like forever ago, and uh, yeah, yeah, Bob St. Amon Sr., number 30, probably the most famous 30 yeah, at Merrittville, then- you can say. You, you helped me out here. You gave me one. Adam West also piloted a 30, uh, but uh, recently retired Adam West, the Batman. I wouldn't go with full really retired. Like, he says retired because he crashed really hard, and then, like, I saw him, like, a week later, kind of already having second thoughts, where he said, like, retired for now <laughs> already, so he'll be back. That seems to be the, uh, seems to be Probably how it goes year. for uh, most of these race car drivers. Yeah. You guys all say you're done, and then you're not done ever, so. Yeah, you can never believe the I'm done talk until like the next season when the trailer's not in the pits. Yeah, my like my favorite week. is my favorite is Brent. Brent Begelow is the one who's like always like counting his days. I'm like Brent, you're you're a young guy. You're not. If you want to keep racing, you're gonna be able to keep racing, buddy. Like, <laughs> like he just was funny every time. Every I think that was his like go to line in Victory Lane. It was like you never know when your next one's gonna be. Uh, well, it's probably going to be next week, Brent. I mean, you're the class of the field. Besides Josh Slider, you're tough to beat in the mod lights right now. So, <laughs> but, but I get, I got his sentiment, but I just find it funny. Yeah. I'm, yeah. He's set for a while in the old slitter car, at least. I think. Yeah. Right. That's what I figured. I'm like, I would assume he's going to be able to pilot that 16 car as long as he wants to. And uh, it'll be interesting to see if he get, gets the sportsman going for a full season uh, coming up in 2023. Uh, we had, the Maryville Speedway Banquet, where we celebrated champions like Brent Bangalow. Uh, tell me about your time. I thought it was a pretty fun event. Uh, I, I had a pretty good time, minus... Uh, I'm going to say sorry one more time for forgetting... Uh, just jumping over James Friesen in the uh, sportsman announcement. I jumped right from third place to first place because I was so focused on making sure I get Rick Belante up to accept Cody's trophy that I was like, okay, I got to make sure I make sure I say that. Make sure I say it. I forgot to announce second place uh, James Friesen in points. So that uh, that was a little weak on my part. But beyond that, I thought it was a good time. Oh, yeah. I thought it was actually William that did. I mean, now you confessed yourself. So I, I wasn't paying. Yeah, I was sitting with uh, Slitters. And uh, their crew, the Pendoskis, Carters, that I knew from back when I was going with the Carters, with the Evans, to the Carts, and then uh, the Brush crew, mm-hmm. the old Corpac gang. So it was a heck of a night. Food yep. was awesome. Good company. I uh, got to see the championship ring, co-championship ring that Andrew passed around. And yeah, just lots of good racing chat. And the food was the main thing. Man, holy. Yeah, it was good food, eh? Yeah, John Michael's Banquet Center. Shout out to them. They uh they they hooked us up, took care of us. Uh yeah, we uh and we we were able to get some guerrilla style, we'll call them, uh interviews with uh some of the the younger names in the Southern Ontario dirt scene and some that uh, are even participating participating in the BRP iRacing series as well. So we'll get to those interviews a little later on in the show. But let's talk about well, you want to start with the iRacing since uh you uh that was the most recent racing event that you had a chance to partake in. And uh, I got home in a, in a top 15. Yeah. 
uh, definitely need to work on when the track's like 5% and fast still because I qualified. Like I go as fast in the slick or in the slick as I do when it's tacky. And so I qualified bad. And the heat mm-hmm. race just kind of hold your line and stuff. A couple of people got one guy got bounced in our heat, so I got to get by him. And then uh, the heat before someone got bounced. I think it was Beagle's old Beagle there. And then, uh, yeah, the feature mm-hmm. was 117 laps. So it was a grind. There was 15 cautions. A couple of them were just for a couple spins that probably shouldn't have been called because uh, it was our first, like we were policing ourselves. Last year they had a race director and stuff. But this year we're just trying to kind of police it as we go and Beef and Matt Ritter are doing most of it. And then uh, you guys call caution over the radio and stuff. So, yeah. but Yeah, it was... Um... It was hard, actually, sometimes to catch the cautions like uh, because we had so many cautions on Monday night. First and foremost, we were always having pretty much good battles for the lead and through the top five. So we weren't looking through the mid pack as much. Um, And then going forward from, you know, like halfway on to the race, I had to start really like looking back. Like there was one wreck that I think Ryan Susie got in that I called just because I was looking out of the corner of my eye, just like I would be at the racetrack looking, focusing on the lead, but then also like looking down and making sure i'm covering like the rest of the field and i caught like a spin and was able to call it but yeah the 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 virtual stuff was it was pretty fun and pretty entertaining i gotta say uh brandon plank wins it over gavin isley and jamie porter who's also going to be a guest later in the show hard charger went to ryan beagle who picked up 22 spots i didn't even realize that uh, fastest in a main fastest lap that went to Zachary Bardsley, uh, quick time went to Dan cider and, uh, yeah, it was a, a, a great night of racing. Uh, you can keep up with it on YouTube, the BRPI racing series on Facebook as well. Uh, but yeah, you, you, I, I was impressed. I know you, I texted you right. I after was impressed like, too. Oh, I got more speed. I get, I was like, you. I'm like, you're, you're, you're doing good. And you were even involved in multiple wrecks, I'm pretty sure. Well, there was a bunch of us that were involved in multiple, but all mine were just like, just caught up. Like, I know there's, it just shows how narrow the front stretch on Volusia is. Like, I because in real life, when they go there for the, whatever they call it, Speed Weeks there. Uh, yeah, there's a name for it. Winter Nationals? I forget. Anyway, at Volusia. I feel like it's Winter Yeah, Nationals. but I've seen so many flips and stuff in the mods on the front straightaway because it's so narrow there. If someone gets turned, it turns into a pile up really quick. And it's just cool how, like, stuff you see in real life. Like, the game is so realistic for a, a simulator slash game. Like, I was yeah, running a bunch it's, of it's, uh, it... laps with Dean Reynolds, and I was pretty clean racing. And then he ended up finishing seventh. Just then I got a couple of wrecks after that, that going on. And uh, school to have Dean in there, like, Super Dirt Car Series director and Stephen Plank, he's Dale Plank's son. He like main employee, one of the main employees at Dig Racing Shocks. And then Gavin Isley almost won the Weedsport Sports and Race that Cody won until I think he made a mistake. The boys were saying in the group chat. And then uh, Jamie Porter, first i racing only guest on the Southern Ontario Dirt Show. So uh, yeah, he finished third. Yeah. So proves why we had him on. And then another shout out to Dylan Davidson who had a wicked run in his grandpa's race too. He was impressive. He got up there really quick. Yep. And. uh Travis Miller fifth. There's another local guy in the race. Yeah, it was just so much fun. Like, can't wait for Monday. I haven't practiced enough this week. I have to get yeah. on on the weekend. Yeah, you get uh, get. <clears throat> you don't have much going on on the weekend right now to uh, to worry about. No work. No, not much racing to watch. I mean, I guess they're racing down in what Louisiana for right now. Yeah, or no, like the short track super series went to like Texas and Louisiana for their Cajun swing last. Well, you can, they got good cars because, because, uh, Dio started like a 
series down there and then they got like local races down there throughout the year and then Dio put on this thing and brought some superstars down there but there's I guess a ton of rain and a lot of the tracks ended up pretty rough and then uh the last night was for 20,000 to win and uh after the heat it was so bad Matt Shepard decided to load up and go home and uh a lot of people had differing opinions on that, but it's his stuff, and he didn't want to race it. Like, honestly, most of them would have went home if they weren't in Louisiana or Texas or wherever it was. I can't remember which one they were in on Saturday. But uh, if it was a normal yeah. New York show and they were just 10 minutes from home, most of them probably would have loaded up and said, F it. Like, it's just the way it yeah. was because there was so much rain. And then, yeah, go down and end up winning the 20 grand. And, uh, yeah, that's it for Modifieds until Volusia or Alltech, whatever one's first. Not sure on that, but Short Track Super Series goes and Dirt Cars go to Volusia. Short Track Super Series goes to Alltech and oh, I forget the other one. Two tracks in Florida, yeah. Not much of an off-season anymore. February comes quick. Yeah, it's wild how quickly it gets going. I, I don't remember whose page it was. It might have been... I don't even remember. It was one of the late model guys that just came up as like almost like an ad on my Facebook feed. And they're like, yeah, here's our 2023 schedule. And it started like in February and went all the way to November. And I was like, oh, all right. Well, not much of an off season for you guys. But uh, I guess there's a most of these guys probably wouldn't have it any other way. I know we wouldn't. I'm, if we could find a way to get a snow racing league at Maryville, I think I would be uh, all for calling a race all bundled up in the booth if I had to. Whatever, whatever works just to keep the racing life. That's what, that's why we're the iRacing series is so great. Right. So, um, yeah, this is the other thing too, that now that we're getting to the off season, we have a lot that we can kind of talk about beyond just the, uh, the dirt world that we can cover and get into just to keep things talking and keep things fresh. So, uh, let's talk about, uh, you wanted to touch on NASCAR silly season and, uh, one of our kind of Northeastern guys gets, uh, gets a ride at the cup series. Once again, Ryan priest, yeah, I was pumped to see that, that uh, Ryan, Tony Stewart finally gets his guy, Ryan Priest, run a full season in the 41, and uh, I'm a super big fan of the Northeast-style Modifieds. They were my first love before I switched to dirt, so uh, always got a place in my heart, those style cars, and Ryan Priest was always one of my favorites, so now he's one of my favorites in the cup, like he still was when he drove whatever that other car was, when he dragged that thing along better than it was, in my opinion, to a yeah, lot of good JTG finishes. Yeah, car. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, like he dragged that thing along quite a few times. So I'm pumped to see what he can do in the 41. Yeah, he really. Um, he and the other thing too about like him coming back at this particular time is that it really, it feels like NASCAR is that it's. I say this with a grain of salt, but it, it's as equal as it's been in a long time, right? Where, you know, if you show up with a relatively well set up race car and a good driver behind it, you can get the most out of the run and at most places. Right. Um, we'll see how the short tracks go. I mean, obviously I, I would immediately think that Ryan priest is going to be a threat at all those modified tracks like Martinsville and new Hampshire yeah. and all the flat stuff that they run. Right. The only problem, Gateway most of the short one. tracks sucked with the new car. They got to fix. Oh that. yeah. Uh, I haven't, uh, Steve Phelps was on the, or Steve O'Donnell. I think it was from NASCAR was on the Corey LaJoy <laughs> stack and pennies podcast this week. And I think yep. they talked about safety and competition and all that sort of stuff. I'm hoping they get right into the off season testing. And it's literally like, you're not getting new from manufacturers. Just give the guys like 900 horsepower for the short tracks and the road courses. Because that's, that's the thing, right? Is that the, with the wider tires, the contact patches, it's too wide. There's not enough horsepower to really get like the wheels spinning. Right. So 
uh, there's no like separation of driver skill. There's it's, I don't know. That's frustrating for sure, but we'll see. I'm optimistic. They'll get it right for next year, but at the same time, all they got to do is listen to the drivers and what are the drivers saying? Just what you just said, 900 horsepower so they can break the tires. Mm -hmm. Just like, so hopefully NASCAR can listen to drivers for once. And uh, yeah, so Ryan Priest would benefit from that package because sure. he's a wheel man and yeah, knows what it's like yeah, what are to those, feather a car. What do those wheeling cars have for horsepower? Cause they kind of have a wider tire than most They're kind of close like, to a cup, them. like a 670. Yeah. But then they got a really wide tire. Yeah. They're a lot. Yeah. They're quite stuck too, but mm-hmm. that's what I was thinking. I was like, if they're, if they're so, uh, with the width of the tire and how low they are to the ground, it's like, I get, do they need more horsepower to, I'm like trying to think of those cars would benefit from more horsepower too. That's kind of what I'm thinking, right? Like, I feel like those cars need more, but they have like a 390 carburetor on it and it kind of bogs them out. In my opinion, like tour mods need 850, like an outlaw motor and a tour mod where they, oh, they wouldn't be able to keep the tires on at that point. Maybe that's why they do it. Cause like pavement modified races can turn into like tire saving fest real quick too. And, yeah. can get pretty boring as well because the tires are so soft. I always hate when it's like my perfect asphalt modified race is like 100. The 200s, they start really yeah. saving the tires and stuff. Yeah. Totally agree there. Uh, something I don't think we agree on is uh, what happened in the Formula One race last uh, weekend where Max Verstappen got the team order from Red Bull to move over and let Sergio Perez buy for, I believe it was fifth position on the racetrack at the finish uh, to get the extra points to pull ahead of Charles Leclerc going into the final race so that they could set up a Red Bull 1-2 in points. And Max said, no guy, I have my reasons. <laughs> and... Yeah. Okay, so you are you are in agreement with Max because you don't like team orders. Like, that's your stance? I just hate team orders, yeah. Like, is Max a bit of a jerk? Sure, but I just hate team orders. I've hated them since the Schumacher days, and they had that tie-at-the-line race and fantastic. Yeah. Like, so I'm scorned for life on team orders because of those situations like that. And then Michael later in the year, oh, I'll give you your win back, and then they switch, come in the line. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm scorned on that. Uh, but the problem with that is that Formula One operates on a constructor's title, right? Like... So for the most oh, part, having it. having team orders works for that championship. But my issue is that at this point, Red Bull's already got the, the constructor's title. Max has already won the World Drivers' Championship. What difference does it make if Max finishes fifth or sixth? Yeah. It doesn't no, make a I difference know. to him in the slightest. However, it makes a huge difference in your teammate's life if you can say he came second in a world championship versus finishing third. And the other thing, too, is with that, you know, maybe there's more money for Perez. There's already been a bunch of things that Perez has allegedly done. Like a lot of people are pointing out that um, I think it was this year in qualifying at Monaco when Max was sitting on pole and the session was winding down. um, Perez crashed on purpose. going right before the tunnel he kind of burped the throttle to spin the car out which brought out a red flag and ended the session early before anybody else could get their laps in which led to max like starting up front or something like that and um i think that that was the drama i'm pretty sure was that it was either that or it was either the fact that 
he did that and Max couldn't finish his lap. And that's what Max is pissed about. But a lot of people are pointing out that Monte Carlo incident. So I'm going to look it up here. Let me see what the starting grid was for Monaco. No, I remember it. It was basically like a Leclerc situation from the year before when he jumped her on purpose to keep the pole. Yeah, exactly. And then the boys didn't find the broken transmission. Typical Ferrari. Sorry, Johnny. That was, don't even get me started. That was absolutely <laughs> brutal in the worst possible ways. Um, yeah, starting grid. Here it is. Yeah, so I guess Max is... So I guess Max is pissed about that because actually Sergio ended up qualifying third and Max was fourth. So I think it was more so that Max yeah. was pissed he didn't get a chance at another lap. So that's why he didn't let uh, Perez back by. But either way, it's it's dumb. I'm a, I usually am in pretty much agreement with you that team orders are stupid, especially in racing. I, but uh, this is one instance where I think Max could have just oh totally done Max could have just laid over. But he's he could have just a done himself a favor. He decided to be in one there. Yeah. he's Shows that their relationship isn't totally the best. Uh, yeah, I know. And then everybody's already speculating. It's like, oh, maybe Ricardo should go back to Red Bull. Or, oh, maybe maybe Fernando Alonso should go. They didn't like, get along either. They wrecked each uh, other. Yeah, I know, right? I'm like, can you imagine <laughs> And can you imagine Fernando? Imagine Alonso going, back, going over to Please. Red Bull. That'd be insane. Yep. Fernando yeah, would literally break Verstappen's neck for fun, like in a garage fight one time. Yeah. Most people's hate for this situation is just that they're hating on Max. And uh, it's kind of like we went from the best Formula One season ever to one of the most boring pretty quick. And then, Yeah, like, we really did. Eh? Half, like it, yeah. It was and horrible. With the Netflix series now, half the time I feel like some of the drama is manufactured just to keep them with some storylines. And I can never get that out of my head a little bit, so... Yeah, that, I that's called the next flisk. Formula One series presented by Netflix. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, for me, I think uh, I liked it when it was like earlier on and like teams like Mercedes and Ferrari didn't want to share their info and it was more focused on the mid pack. But as soon as you get like all the mm-hmm. teams involved, it's almost like there's too much content. And then, yeah, they start looking for drama and storylines like obviously I think Magnuson's poll for Haas. That's awesome. That'll be a good part in the show, but in terms yeah, of the that was championship actual fight, real life stuff happening because it was yeah. the weather thing, and he just got lucky, mm-hmm. which happens once a year. But yeah, it was great drama. It was good, but like the yeah. rest of the year, been terrible for the most part. But maybe I'm just a jaded for other fan. than yeah, just people running into each other is the usually the most exciting part. Yeah, Daniel Ricardo leaving F1. That'll be like a, a sad episode, I'm sure, at some point in the season. Um, well, more silly season. Hulk's back. Mix yeah. out. So Hulk was gone. How long was that? At least two years, maybe three. How long was Haas he gone? just loves to recycle drivers, eh? So, yeah. Oh, we get rid so, of Mazepin. Let's get, bring back Magnuson. We get rid of Schumacher. Let's bring back Hulkenberg. Maybe Hulkenberg will Danny, finally get some points. Yeah. He's got points. He needs a podium. Oh, yeah. Podium. That's what it is. He has no podium was his thing, and he like totally gapped on a few of them. Yeah. Remember well, there's the that one, one specifically wasn't there, in the rain. Yes, I was gonna say, wasn't he leading that race or something? And he just, he was leading for a while, but at the time of the spin, he was second or third, but still podium yeah. up, and he had a pretty, pretty awesome lead on the next uh, car. So, like, yeah, he pretty botched that one hard. Yeah, brutal. Although mm-hmm. I don't really trust that a Haas car can finish on the podium, but you never know what happens in 2023, I guess. But yeah, uh, yep. I'm looking forward to the Netflix show still, but 
anyone who thinks that Formula One had a good season. Yeah, what are they going to do without Danny Rick? It's their favorite boy. Like he's in every episode a million times. I literally said this to uh, my fiance Kyra. I literally said, if NASCAR is not on the phone with Trackhouse Racing right now, saying however money, however much money you need to get Daniel Ricardo's many starts in Project Ninety One, let us know, and we'll pay it. Because, like, I'm pretty sure Watkins Glen had a a, uh, a spike in viewership this year because Kimi Räikkönen was racing. But yeah, oh, Daniel sure. Ricardo's cool. Daniel Ricardo's got even more cachet, I think, because of the Netflix series than Kimmy does. So, like, I would be doing everything I possibly mm. can to get Daniel into as many Cup races as possible if I was NASCAR next year. You think more people like Daniel than Kimi? Yes, I, I do. Know. I I I think so because Daniel's more outgoing, right? They're all fake like, fans, then. Sheesh. Well, I, I think Raikkonen's like. Raikkonen's popular because he was successful and he was a badass and he was the Iceman and he had some really entertaining clips and stuff. But like Ricardo, like actually tries to be entertaining and he's like outgoing, so it, it kind of works for him to be that sort of uh, that sort of personality. Like that that personality would be exactly what NASCAR needs. You want to complain about how Chase Elliott is the most popular driver and has no personality and Ryan Blaney never shows emotion. True, a guy like Daniel Ricardo would be perfect for the grid for that reason alone. I hope he doesn't do a full season, but some NASCAR, and I hope he changes his mind on hating on IndyCar and at least runs the road courses in that because he could be pretty fun to watch in like, tracks with no track limits. Like IndyCar barely has any track limits. When they go to an F1 track, like they run way off into the runoff area and a whole bunch of crazy stuff. So Yeah, well, they have so many street courses. With that. They have so many street yeah, courses everything. that their track limits are literally the wall. <laughs> yeah. I just remember when they ran at Texas, there was one section where they... Like the F1 out of bounds was way over here, and then they were going way out into the runoff for F1. Yeah. And then all the F1 <sighs> purists were like, you guys don't even have track limits. And yeah. Yeah. It. All yeah, racing love, is good I like racing. Them both. Exactly. That's what I always say. Why you got to hate yeah. on anything? Like, I don't hate on anything. Like, oh, I hate like anything. Like the late model, so, oh, modified, so, oh, sprint cars. Like, calm down. Yeah. Like, what is that? I love it all. Every race has a potential to be good. Every racing class has a potential to have bad races. It happens. I learned that especially when I became an announcer. And you got to stand there and watch every single race and talk about it. Like, yeah. Totally learned that doing that. Yeah. There's sometimes you just watch a guy win by 10 seconds. Sometimes you watch mm -hmm. somebody win by 10 laps. It happens. <laughs> um, it happens every all class. right. Uh, so I think the last thing to touch on is the uh, the swap meet that's happening. Or the, sorry, no, the swap meet was last trade show slash trade show. Well, this one's technically like an auction too. Like there's going to be so it's just be called the national yeah national parts peddler trade show. Now it's called the Northeast Racing Parts Trade Show or something. Switched hands, but anyway, it's the same thing. Now it's in a newer building, which is on the back stretch, same complex, uh, New York State Fairgrounds, but it used to be off in one of the older buildings behind Turn One and Two of the old mile. Now the mile's gone, so they built this new building right on where the backstretch used to be. So when you're walking around, it's literally you're walking around on the backstretch of the mile if you want to reminisce and think about you're doing that, which I would definitely do if I was going to go. The snow is going to keep me away, unfortunately. I was totally going, and I broke Nick Sheridan's heart this morning when I said, bro, we ain't going to go through that snow. I don't care if it is only Buffalo. I'm not down for that. So anyway, broke his heart today. And if it's awesome show, like the RP's still going, and uh, they got a entire brand new roller up for auction and that uh, Troyer's got a 
frame and body, TO frame and body, I think DCAM frame and body. There's a crate motor for up fraction. Justin Harris has a 2021 BRP with the best of the best roller up for auction. Like just so much awesome stuff. And then you can troll around and go to the BRP booth or all the booths. Lots of good suit deals there, I know for sure. Uh, they used to have lots of people selling parts, but people are starting to do a lot more just take orders at the show. But uh, I used to wheel a lot of parts out of there. There's some good die casts there. And uh, yeah, it's one of my favorite times of the year when the bummed snow is running in it. Yeah, it's a bit of a bummer, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, what a weekend, of course, right? It's like, of course, the weekend that everybody would be going down and traveling. It's just terrible weather. And yeah, they've already the, moved the Bills game. Yeah, that's what I heard. Eh? The Bills game's moving. I'm sure, thankfully, the Sabres are on the road, but uh, they're pretty bad right now anyway. So I don't even really want to talk about them. Literally having a contest. I wanted to have a contest to see if uh, who would win more or who would win first, my ball hockey team or the Sabers. And definitely update, ball hockey team. Uh, update: the fall ball hockey season is over. We got knocked out in the playoffs without winning. So, um, yeah, it's uh, the Sabers have two weeks to get a win before I think the winter season starts for a ball hockey team. Um, we'll we'll see how that happens. Uh, one thing before we get to our interviews that I thought of that uh, we didn't actually touch on our little pre-meet here is should we go through some of the awards that got handed out at the Maryville Banquet? Some of the specialty stuff? Because sure. last week I had you guessing and then we'll see. I don't yeah. remember. I should have wrote down what your answers were. But uh, let's go through. I can remember. I got Let's go through. Let's start with. Like that. Yeah. Um, rookie of the year was calculated by points. So that kind of irrelevant so we'll start with the best appearing cars still in the mini stocks all the rookies of the year is quick yeah go okay all right let's do for it uh so rookies of the years from uh maryville speedway this season mason anderson wins it in the mini stocks ryan anderson gets it in mod lights john couture in the hoosier stocks nelson mason in the sportsman and brad rouse is the rookie of the year in the modifieds yep that's all them and uh at least Mason and Rouse picked up a win in the rookie year. year. Mm-hmm. And Ryan Anderson really was stringing together some solid runs towards the end mind, of the year. Yes. I was thinking he'll, I think he'll be in victory lane uh, in 2023 at some point in the mod lights. Uh, best appearing car awards in the mini stocks. Austin Worshow brings home the trophy. Leroy Buscombe wins it in mod lights. Jason Fontaine wins it in the Hoosier socks. Uh, it was uh, Cody McPherson in the Sportsman and Chad Chevalier in the Modifieds. Yeah, so I got a couple of them right. I know I picked Cody, and uh, I think you picked Leroy Buscombe too, didn't you? No, I should have though. I picked Jeffrey May for that one. Yes, that is right. Yeah, I sh- and couldn't think of Buscombe to hit. Now, as soon as they announced it at the bank, I was like, "Yeah, should have picked him." That game yeah. was awesome. Uh, I think we picked uh, we picked Jason Fontaine. Kyle Pellrine, I think, is what you guessed. And, yeah, uh, both, uh, both amazing-looking cars. Yeah, both equally uh, every year. qualify, for sure. Uh, Jason puts a lot of effort into it. I know the guy uh, has brought, I think, three different paint schemes in the four years that I've been at Maryville. I think the only season he didn't really put one on was the, the really shortened 2020 season that we had where it was like five or six weeks yeah. of racing or whatever it was. So um, It's always yeah. different, but always the fonts it always looks kind of the same but different and awesome yep um let's touch on the kelly winger sportsmanship award which i think this was 
the easiest pick of them all. Uh, Shane Pierce takes that one home for 2022 after uh, my joke in the opening speech about how he's collected enough uh, flight miles and airtime to uh, be a pilot. Ooh, poor Shane. Oof. Yeah. Yeah, and then we had to watch him twice in the review video or whatever it was. Oof. I Yeah, right? He was... Uh, Tears rolling down my face. He was upside down more than a few times, but uh, kept bringing it back. And I believe... Correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't actually have that part in front of me, but I think he ended up qualifying for perfect attendance. I b- believe he did. Yeah, with all those yeah. with all those wrecks and wild rides he took. Or he might have uh, missed. There was one. one night he had to jump in somebody else's car because I think he actually broke in the, right, right, in the right, heat. Right. But uh, yeah, for the most part, I'm pretty sure uh, he was in that 88 for every single feature, even after all the wild rides he took. So, Yep. Good job, Shane. Uh, the Begelow Little Award for Most Improved. Uh, this year, Maryville Speedway elected to do it in all five divisions instead of just one overall winner. Uh, the Vansicle Pet Valley PV on the Lane Four Cylinders, Vincent Pagnotta, in the Rona Deutsch Mod Lights, Sean If Toddy, in the Hoosier Stocks, it was Donnie Lampman, uh, in the Right Choice Auto and Leisure Sportsman, Taylor Vanderzanden, and finally, the Core Pack Merchandising 358 Modifieds, Scott Wood. Yeah, all of them made sense, but Scotty Wood, he's been racing forever. Like, he's been, like, he won, did he win a race this year? I know he won races last year. Like, I don't know. That one, well, he won the, um, a little. Like, I'm pretty sure actually he didn't win last year, but then he won the, uh, Jerry uh, Wayne, the yeah. John Sterling, the John Sterling yeah. to end the year. So, uh, it always weirds me out when sure older guys win the most improved. I don't know. Yeah, for sure. I, I get it. Um, I think some. I think we're going to see somebody who uh, uh, creeps up, moves up. Scott, but I, I, yeah, I think Dalton. Dalton if Dalton Slack runs a full season next year, I, th- yeah. I expect to see Dalton Slack as the winner of that one next year. Yep, I'm thinking he's going to run one. So can't wait. Yeah, uh, shout out to Donnie Lamman too. Right, I think. Uh, yeah, all the rest that of them was definitely made, an improvement. Yeah. He had a really solid shot. I mean, if if. You know, we take out if we take away Dave Bailey. I mean, I think Donnie would have been right up there battling Pelrine for the championship right down to the last race. So, yeah, back to like the modified one. Like, if I were to pick one, I probably would have went Davey Flane again because he had a bunch of top fives and was always up front, just almost close to getting one. And, uh, yeah, yeah, he was definitely sniffing around actually at more than a few. You're right. Yeah, he definitely sticks out as the most improved in the mod. And I love J Rock. That's his yeah. nickname, if you don't know. <laughs> um, next would be the Gordy, uh, the Dedication to Racing Award, named for Gordy Wilson. Jim Lantman gets it, uh, and I, I thought that was a very uh, appropriate one, especially after our podcast with Donnie Lantman that we did earlier in the year. If maybe some new listeners haven't heard it, definitely go back and listen to that one because uh, I think you'll get a good sense of what uh, Jim is all about from his son Donnie and uh, the commitment that Jim has made to not only advancing his own career and continuing to bring competitive race cars, but now having uh, Donnie in competitive stuff as well, too. Yep. Uh, definitely really deserved award for old Jimmy Lantman, uh, one of the good guys at the track and one of the most dedicated guys out there. And yeah, Donnie blew me away with how well-spoken he was in our episode there. A lot of people have blown me away this year of how awesome they are on the mic and, uh, yeah, it's cool that we've been doing this. And yeah, shout out to Lantmans for uh, picking up that awesome award. Dedicated. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. Somebody else who was dedicated, the uh, entire Bleach Racing crew, as they were the Crew of the Year award uh, for the Bleaches. I think um, ah, that was pretty deserving. And I, there was one point that when we were talking about and discussing handing out this award is the fact that, you know, the, the Bleaches, the Bleach family has a lot of, you know, grandkids and stuff in in the family as well that, you know, the moms and the wives and everybody else that are, are taken care of on top of, you know, the guys working on the crews and stuff like that. So it kind of made sense, I think for uh, the whole bleach family and racing crew to get recognized for that crew of the year award. I thought that was a good pick. Yeah. I thought that was well-deserved as well. And uh, one of their guys, Jamie Porter's coming on later and uh, yeah. So then, yeah, I told the fun story about me and Billy bleach running one, two at us or three, two and second and third at us weekend one time. And he was, I raced with the Billy the whole time throughout my modified career. And I remember before that he was sportsman, got a lot of wins before that, even before I was coming to Merrittville, he was pro stock. So he has been around forever. And then I got Zach running the street stock and Billy running the sportsman and Billy picked up and winning the sportsman now two years in a row running a different car than everybody else. So that's definitely a little harder to do. So yeah, team of the year, well-deserved. Yeah, I think so. Uh, performer of the year. Dave Bailey, not a surprise, especially when you eight wins on the season is one thing, but he went a perfect. I didn't even realize this. He went a perfect 19 for 19 in top five finishes. Yeah. Every feature that he attended, he finished in the top five the whole year in the Hoosier stocks. Wouldn't expect anything different other than I think I saw him break at Humberstone on the hundred lap or 75 lap or whatever it was. And yes. that's the most weirdest thing I've ever seen the 49 getting pushed through the pits so yeah dave always finishes he always finishes up front so not really that big of a shocker to me mm -hmm. yeah. yeah he blew up i think on the final weekend at humberstone but yeah at maryville this year that was uh that was one heck of a performance pete costco uh car owner of the year went to freddie carlton um another guy who you know wrenches on the car drives to the car but i think even beyond just you know the the owning the car maintaining the car i think it's the it's the engagement that he brings with his sponsors that really made him so deserving of the award. Like every time it's one of his car sponsors nights at Maryville, you know, he's given out go-karting passes. He's given out like all this sort of stuff. He's a really active and involved car owner just beyond the actual hands-on of the race car stuff. So I thought that was a, I thought that was a good pick too. Yeah. He's related to the Niagara go-kart. I think it's his sister-in-law or something. Anyway, I've met, I've met them a few times when we were out, on the Port Dalhousie Beach in the summer, on the water, on the boats. Those good times. And uh, so, yeah, those are definitely awesome people. And, uh, yeah, Freddie do that kind of stuff. Uh, that's just what the way he is. Had a good chat with him at the banquet, and uh, he's as Freddy as ever. And uh, you always learn something when you talk to Fred. I literally parked next to him my whole modified career. And uh, I'm really thankful for that. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Uh, and driver of the year, Matt Williamson. 16 starts at Maryville. Uh, 15 top five finishes, 10 wins. And then uh, on the tours, he won 11 small block modified and 11 big block modified features. And as recently as a couple of weeks ago, was the winner of two out of three features in the Super Dirt Car Series at the World Finals in Charlotte. Not bad for one of Merrittville's own. I would say that's pretty deserving driver of the year. Yeah, those are the two awards I called. I said maybe Bigelow, but... I think I said Dave and Matt first. I didn't know which one they were going to give which. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, they killed it all year. Nothing much else to say. We talked about Matt all season on the show. Yeah. So. 
Yeah, almost. Mm-hmm. I, I'm trying to think back to the conversation because I think it was just because Cody won other things and we didn't want to give Cody like all of the awards. But I was like, Cody McPherson could easily won Driver of the Year, Performer of the Year, probably too. Yeah, all four of them guys. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, uh, yeah, it was it was quite a fun night. Uh, a lot of fun was had by us. A lot of fun was had by some of the attendees, and that's uh, I think enough of a discretion discretionary. Like, I don't want to say viewer discretion is vibe, because that's, that's not what we need to say. But I wanted to give a heads up that uh, the next three interviews that you're going to hear, uh, everybody was having a pretty good time. They had friends around who were distracting them. It was a pretty guerrilla style <laughs> radio interview process, podcast interview process. So uh, let's catch up with, uh, well, who do we have here? We got Dylan Davidson. We got Double D. We got who wasn't Porter. that drunk? Dylan. Dylan like, was responsible. Dylan, Dylan, was, Dylan was ready. Dylan was very responsible. Yeah, Jamie Porter was fired two. up. He was fired up and ready yep. to go. He had a, we at one point we talk about his uh, look for the night, which all I can describe as is Patrick Kane. That's your advance. That's uh, yeah, your, yeah. your heads up for what Jamie he was, was looking, looking good, like. looking yeah, stylish. Old he was sharp, eh? Yeah, and then uh, yeah. Uh, I think the most interview, the most nervous, but also the most entertaining interview we saved for last. Uh, Trevor Wright. We'll get to those three interviews. And uh, wrap up the Southern Ontario Dirt Show podcast with some fun from the Maryville Speedway Banquet. Hey, do you like what you're hearing? Want to support the Southern Ontario Dirt Show and help us expand our coverage across the province and Western New York? Well, your ad could be playing right here. Got a brand or business that deserves more attention? Email us, Southern Ontario Dirt Show at gmail.com to become a sponsor of the podcast. And now, let's get back to the show. All right, we're standing by live at the Merrittville Banquet, uh, Southern Ontario Dirt Show podcast on location. Jonathan Howe, Travis Cunningham, joined by Dylan Davidson. Dylan, how is it going, my friend? Oh, we're having a great time tonight. It's uh, it's a fantastic night tonight. Cold outside, but it's pretty warm in here with all the bodies dancing around. So we're, we're having a fun time tonight. Awesome. Uh, great uh, season for you this year in 2022. Looking forward to 2023. What are the off-season plans, though, first? Well, we got to rebuild the car first. We got her all torn down to the chassis so far. So uh, we'll be rebuilding with new body, new look, everything else. We're going to have a bit of a rebrand this uh, off season. And then obviously we're going to keep up with the BRP iRacing series. That's going to be a fun time. We're going to be um, running with Beefer and all those guys and you guys, of course. Um, so that'll keep us sharp for the upcoming season. Just talk about your season this year, uh, 350A modified season. It's a tough class, uh, definitely a learning bit of experience for you. Talk about your season. Uh, so, like you said, learning experience, big time learning experience. It's a whole different animal when you put a 358 in these cars. Um, a lot of good drivers out there too, of course, uh, Matt Williamson and Ryan Susi and uh, all those guys. It's a, it's a fantastic field out there. Um, I learn a lot driving with them and uh, I hope I can be uh, more of a competitor this year we're uh looking for some extra speed and some uh, extra positions get back up into the top 10 like we were in sportsman so you mentioned the difficulty of competition what's the biggest way to learn someone are you following matt right in his like tire tracks are you trying to pass him and figure out what the fastest way around a guy is like that or what what's the what's the tap plan of attack what's the strategy when you have a, a busy field and you got an opportunity to race against a guy like matt uh, as soon as I see that six car, the 42 or 38S, as soon as they go, those guys go around me, I get behind them and I follow them all the way, just see what they're running, how early they're braking, uh, when they're getting on the throttle. 
all of those tiny little details is what's going to get me to the front, and uh, that's all stuff I got to learn. So, following those guys closely, uh, watching videos. Uh, Froggy's Auto Glass has a couple videos up on YouTube of uh, Matt Williamson's runs, and I'll study those uh, during the week and even in the off season just to see exactly how he's running these tracks. Um, it's definitely a, the best way to learn is to see how they're actually doing it in person. All right, uh, you're, you're a third generation driver, so Grandpa Bob, Dad Bob as well. Just talk about uh, watching their careers. I know I raced against Bob myself in the Modifieds, and then uh, your grandpa racing, and then you're racing. Talk about being about that awesome family, and then the Costco family as well. Yeah, well, fourth generation, actually. My great-grandfather started back in 1954, yeah. Uh, that went to my grandfather, who had his short spurt in Modifieds. He went off to be a, uh, a flagman for a while, up until about uh, 2015, 2016, I think he stopped uh, flagging. So he's still on the crew today. Uh, my Uncle Ralph, uh, my that's my grandfather's brother, he... Um, he also ran mostly asphalt. He had a short time in dirt car, but he was mostly in asphalt. Uh, that translated over to my father. He ran in the Sportsman Series for a while, then Sportsman for my grandfather, Pete Costco. Then he ran for Pete Costco in the Modifieds. Uh, then that came to me for carts. As soon as I got into carts, my father, he stopped racing uh, Modifieds and kind of focused on my karting career. And uh, from there, the rest is history. Went on to mod lights after carts and sportsmen after that, and then modifieds uh, as of today. So all that family history, is there any one particular moment or uh, uh, maybe a story or two that stands out to you with all that family legacy? Uh, there's lots of stories, lots of stories. Um, it's hard to point one out. Uh, I learned a lot, a lot of swear words too from the pits. Um, my grandfather, he was well known as hot-headed. Um, yeah, he, that, that's Pete Costco. He, if anybody knew him, it was uh, known for being hot-headed, for sure. He, he uh, was a retaliatory kind of guy. And uh, my dad, here's one story. My dad was running out in Brighton. Uh, he got turned by some guy. Uh, it wasn't a great night. They wrecked the car. They had to pull in. It was a DNF. My grandfather was pissed off. Everybody in the crew was pissed off. And uh, that sparked a, a big fight in the Brighton pits. And um, there was some name calling and a couple of our crew guys got their nicknames through that fight. Um, yeah, it was it was pretty wild to see. I, I was just a young and up in the tower watching it. And you see all these bodies headed toward the 17C car. And uh, that was <laughs> definitely worrying at first. But then I saw my, my father have somebody in a headlock and it was yeah there, there was uh some some great times some uh pretty scary times you know there's, there's some big wrecks that we had some big wins that we had um yeah we, we've had a lot of experiences through the throughout the years i just got to ask you about owning the track so like you said your dad ran 358 and then pretty much when he retired that's when your grandpa pete bought Humberstone and then your dad started running it pretty much as the general manager talk about being a small kid and running the packer trucks and running Humberstone. Yeah, from, uh, well, I was five years old when they bought the place and six years old when they opened it up and we started racing. And ever since I was six, I was in the uh, the Packer trucks and the big wheels. Uh, I was running, you know, we had a sheep foot from Peter's Excavating we had borrowed. 
I was running that at probably seven water trucks that, as soon as I could reach the clutch and push it in all the way. Um, so I, I, I pulled a lot of laps at Humberstone, um, more in a Packer truck than in a race car. So I'd like to say that I know that track from the, like the back of my hand. All right, we got the peanut gallery gathered around here. So we'll get you out of here on this one. Our our uh, Corey LaJoy Memorial question, we call it. So I'm going to give you one race car, one racetrack to drive at once for the rest of your life. Tell me about it. That's a tough one. That's a, that's a really tough one. Um, I, for the track, I'm going to say Weed Sport. I love Weed Sport. It's a, it's a, it's a very... Um, I'm trying to think of the word. It's diverse from the rest of the tracks. You know, the D-shape and... It's a great facility. I love the track. I love uh, running there. And uh, for the car, I got to say a big block. I'd love to run a big block and learn it. And um, I think those things just look awesome driving around that track. Awesome. Well, thanks for uh, taking the time out tonight and uh, enjoying a, a podcast, a little bit of an off-color off, uh, <laughs> off podcast. Dylan David's enjoying the show. All right. We're joined now on the Southern Ontario Dirt Show podcast by the pistol himself. Welcome to the show, actually uh, being on the show. We talked on the BRP broadcast on Monday for Media Day. But uh, yeah, I had to introduce you to your fellow competitor, Travis. Break it down again for those who uh, maybe aren't familiar with your story behind the scenes in the dirt world, my friend. Yeah, so uh, I grew up dirt modified racing. I think my dad crewed against Travis. He didn't like it. He probably finished behind Travis. So my dad didn't know him, it's fine. Jamie Porter, I'm Jamie Porter. Travis definitely finished that at Bill Beach a couple times. Bill Beach, my dad helped. It's fine, you know, stuff happens. My favorite Bill Beach story, here it is. It's 2007, no sorry, it's 2008 and we are at the Ush Weekend Speedway. And we are in the Lucas Oil shootout and me and Bill Beach start pretty far back in the field and me and Bill Beach we lit up to second and third on the podium at Pete Bicknell, who won the race. It's probably one of me and Bill Bleach's best races of our careers. Were you there? Even tell us about it, because that's one of my best races of my life. I definitely don't remember it that much. Oh, Travis, yeah. you explain it, because you were in the driver's seat. It was just uh, one of those nights in us weekend where the Modifieds were there, and uh, our smaller tires and heavier cars kind of worked the track up a little bit. It was a little rough, and uh, I just remember following Elmo all night up through the field. I had a rough heat. I think I started about 18th. I got up to third, but Billy Bleach ran a hell of a race. He finished second, and uh, Pete Bicknell picked up the win. But, uh, yeah, Lucas Oil shootout, 2008. Bill Bleach second, Travis Cunningham third. Pete Bicknell winner, podium. Funny story about that. I was in Bill Bleach's basement tonight getting fireball out for the Maryville banquet. I looked on the wall. Lucas Oil, he had a fifth. I think it was a third. And the last one was definitely a second. And it was the Lucas Oil Championship. I go, what happened there? He goes, no comment. <laughs> I want to ask about your hairdo tonight. Did you go for the Patrick Kane look just for the banquet tonight? I'll show you a funny story. I'll pull up my phone right now. I'll go to my Google. I'll type in the P-A-T-R. Oh, that's not a T. You can see the uh, first one up is Patrick Kane Mullet. I sure did that. <laughs> So please don't tell me you're a Blackhawks fan then. To be honest, I'm not a big, big Patrick Haynes fan. But at heart, I'm the black and yellow. The Boston Bruins are my team. I'm a Sabres fan, so we have to talk about it. I got to check the score of the game first because we might not, uh, we might have to discontinue. Yeah, Bruins. 
Bruins Sabres tonight. Oh, wow. Yeah. I don't know if I want to know the score right now. It could be scary here. Ah, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be, but Three still not great. Bruins. Not great. Not the best. So are you excited for BRP? You got the iRacing series, your chance to show off your skills in the virtual world. Tell us about uh, what you're expecting from yourself. Um, top tens, maybe a top five here and there. But just to be consistent, I'm hoping to be there every week. Not to get in my own way, not to get in anybody else's way. But to be up front every week, not worrying about anybody else. Just be there, be consistent, and beat Brandon Plank. Yep. I gotta ask, so is this, uh, is this your lady here who's videotaping things right now? Oh, you got that right. Okay, so in that case, uh, is she going to be as upset as Dylan Davidson's lady about your uh, iRacing habits? Correct, yes. She, uh, every week that I log on every Monday, she goes, iRacing again? I go, yes, ma'am. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. Just tell us about winning the race from the kitchen table last year. Uh, that's about how I know you the most. I remember seeing Beef making the post because I'm pretty sure you're on Beef's team. And, uh, yeah, winning the race from the kitchen table, single monitor, pretty much the lowest buck eye racing setup you can win, and you won. That was Travis. Oh, was it? I'm sorry. Wow, TC with the mess up. Jamie, you got to put some respect on your name then. I want you set up at a kitchen table, and I want to see you win. From the kitchen table. Can you do that? Or am I downgrading your setup too much? Have you got like a fancy setup right now? Right now, I got one screen. I got a seat. I got pedals. Honestly, I can go from the kitchen table. Not as comfortable, but I can do it. I don't think I'm as good as Travis Miller, to be honest. This year, but I don't know. He's he's super consistent. He knows what he's doing. He's always up front whenever he needs to be. He's there. Travis Cunningham, not so much. That's fine. We respect him for being there. He's our good buddy. We like him. I got there basically because I work at BRP like the league was supposed to be when it started. <laughs> All right, Jamie, we'll give you the Corey LaJoy uh, memorial question here. That's I stole from his podcast. One race car, any racetrack in the world, what's the combination you're picking to drive one time? Um, so I drove a late model one time. It was a great, great late model at Humberstone. I think I want to try a late model, a super late model at Knoxville, just to see what it's like. I love it. That's a good pick. I like that. That's a good pick. All right, Jamie Porter on the Southern Ontario Dirt Show podcast. Our first racer only. <laughs> All right, we're back on the Southern Ontario Dirt Show podcast. Another one of these uh, kind of gorilla-style interviews this week from the banquet. Music blaring, drinks flowing, and we got Trevor Wright on the show. Uh, I got to first say that tonight... I like that you went for the uh, almost like Steve Irwin look. It's like Steve Irwin with a mullet. That's how I would describe your look tonight. Honestly, I don't even know what I was going for. We just kind of put the shit on and we're here. So. All right, Trev. You finished ninth in points this year. You had a couple of good runs in the Sportsman. I think your best is second so far. You've run a season in 358s. Just tell us about your career so far. So, so far, I think this year has been the worst year of ours, but. I disagree. You disagree? Yeah. Okay. So, it was a learning experience this year. Um, we went to Oswego. We traveled a lot this year, which you haven't really done before. So, it was a big learning experience, I think. But next year, we'll see what we're doing. But I think we're going 358. So, that'd be really nice. Awesome, man. And just talk to us about um, 
couple of differences that you feel between the two race cars that you have an experience in both and being a relatively young driver and inexperienced driver in both what, what's the biggest challenges going between both in the modified it's just how much quickly you're going into the corner that I notice like I, I overdrove the corner a lot when I switched to the modified but after a couple times out there I figured it out but it, it's it's a lot all right, you said this was the worst season of your career. I definitely said I disagree. Uh, you definitely had a lot of good runs in the middle of the season where you were top five at least three, four weeks in a row. Just uh, tell us about those runs where definitely you were running good towards the middle of the season there. I think in the middle of the season is uh, my best point before I wrecked at Bransonville. I, uh, I kind of wrecked at – I rode off the car at Bransonville. So we switched to the other car. It was another – kind of set up so it wasn't as good but it took us some time before we figured it out that's fair and like you say it can be tough when you have like the wrecks just talk about the the i think the most interesting thing that you accomplished this year is is the vlogs the family vlogs with with, uh with your family with your racing uh i remember talking to your parents about it they're really good at documenting your racing season your career and you sharing it on social media so just talk about uh the vlogs from each race well my mom's all about that. She really likes taking the, the rear GoPros and the front GoPros and the, I have a GoPro on my chin, so it shows exactly how I'm steering the car and throttling the car and everything. And I, I really appreciate my mom on getting all the sponsors and doing all the videos and everything about that. Yeah, your mom's definitely an MVP in the old marketing territory. Uh, I definitely wish I could hire her for my team. I'm not gonna lie there. But to tell us about like your go-kart racing career, you raced against a bunch of young guys that got their first wins this year, like uh, Hanson and uh, Slack and Phillips. Just talk about, like, at one point it was like literally just you four out there. So talk about your hard growing up go-kart career and all the traveling you did. It was a really hard go-kart career, especially because the class I was in was with all those drivers. So it was a, it was a big learning experience because when I started racing in go-karts in the States, uh, I kind of got my ass whooped, so we uh, joined a traveling series and it kind of showed me how to race with those type of drivers. You know, a little bit of bump and run in here and there and when it needs to be, but it taught me a lot and I think that translates quite a bit to uh, the sportsman driving. And so the connection between the go-karts, the sportsman, now up to the modifieds. Uh, where is your confidence level at heading into it? I know you're coming off, like you say, the worst year of your career, but I feel like there's a lot of moments that you have to hang your head on, and uh, there's reasons to be optimistic for 2023, correct? Yeah, I think there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic, especially going to, uh, like, Dirt Week, learning on a massive track like that. Like, that's the biggest track I've ever been on in my life, so it really should be about setting up the car, so... That's what it really focused on this year is all the different setups and everything on the car. So that's, yeah, that's what I focused on this year. So uh, are you going modified next year for sure? I know you had a podium finish in 2021 in the modified. You definitely look good. Almost better. Like, you just look just as good in the modified as you did in the sportsman. So are you going there next year? I am 90% sure that we're going to modify this year. So we have a motor on the way. We'll see what we uh, what our plans are with the cars. We're not 100% sure yet, though. All right, we'll get you out of here on this. Our uh, Corey LaJoy Memorial question, we call it. I'm going to give you one race car, one racetrack in the world, anywhere in the world, any combination. doesn't matter if you have experience in it or not. What is the combination that you want to drive at least one time in your life? 
the Weedsport with the 88 Budge 2 Chevrolet uh, Big Block. Oh, wow. All right. He's stealing Matt's ride. That's not the worst ride to jump into, though. I feel like that's a good one. Trevor Wright on the Southern Ontario Dirt Show podcast. And the checkered is out on another episode of the Southern Ontario Dirt Show. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for future episodes. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Southern Ontario Dirt Show. Have a question for the show? Email us, Southern Ontario Dirt Show at gmail.com. Thanks for supporting local racing in Southern Ontario, and we'll see you at the track.